Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. After years of slow but steady declines, juice sales in the U.S. are rebounding in a trend that may have originated with consumers seeking wellness-enhancing products and moments of intentional indulgence during the pandemic, but which industry insiders, including PepsiCo, predict will have a long-lasting positive impact on the category. According to SPIN's data presented at Virtual Expo West late last month, sales of conventional shelf-stable juices increased 9.5% to $6.2 billion in the 52 weeks ending April 18th, while sales of shelf-stable specialty and wellness juices grew 19.6% to $658 million, and shelf-stable natural product juices grew 4.8% to $893 million in the same period. SPINS also reports that refrigerated juices and functional beverages also climbed 12.2% to $5.4 billion in the conventional market, 6.3% to $165 million in the specialty and wellness market, and 8% to $2.3 billion in the natural products sector in the same time period. This is a notable reversal for the juice and juice drinks category, which data from Statista shows slowly declining from $9.95 billion in 2016 to $9.79 billion in 2018. To find out what's behind Juice's about face, which trends from the pandemic will stick, and how category players can maintain and build on these gains going forward, even as the threat of COVID-19 eases in the U.S., Food Navigator USA is joined in this episode of its Soup to Nuts podcast by Anup Shah, the Chief Marketing Officer and Vice President of the Juice Plus Brands Portfolio at PepsiCo Beverages North America, and Alana Orlevsky, the Senior Marketing Manager at Imbibe Drink Tank. Acknowledging that the juice industry has experienced ups and downs in the past decade, Shaw says he is optimistic that the category is entering a new era of growth, with the pandemic reinvigorating consumer interest in the category from multiple angles, including holistic health, permissible indulgent, and relaxation, as well as creating new usage occasions and ways to drink the beverages together as a family. No doubt over the last you know, five to six years, the juice segment has been declining. But I, I see juice is really seeing a resurgence during COVID, and it's really driven by two factors. Um, the first is consumers are, are more looking for vitamin C to keep their immune system strong. It's really been heightened with the pandemic. So our research shows that consumers are looking for products that give them that daily requirement of vitamin C to keep their immunity, immunity strong. In fact, 78% of consumers are saying they're looking for more vitamin C in their diet. And the juice category is the number one beverage category they go to for that benefit. Uh, Secondly, uh, more and more consumers are looking for fortification with vitamins, minerals, um, and that's more important to them now than it was uh, pre-pandemic. Consumers are paying greater attention to their diets, looking for more functionality. Uh, And I think this is an area where our brands and the juice space is uniquely positioned to deliver on these needs. So, one in three consumers are buying more products um, 
to, to help with immunity. 72% of them say they'll continue to do so uh, post-COVID. Um, 30, I talked about 36% of consumers saying that they, they want more products with fortification of minerals and, and vitamins. So th- these trends are more important now than they have been, and I, I think those will continue. We're looking at a variety of different benefits, so whether it be vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, probiotics, um, and really tapping into the idea that all of these could play into more of a holistic approach to health. Um, and so that, that, that's areas of focus that we're looking at from an innovation lens. Because regulatory restrictions limit health claims by foods and beverages, Shaw says that PepsiCo gravitates towards ingredients that offer benefits that are well understood by most consumers. And when it makes claims, they must meet the company's rigorous scientific standards. So we do a lot of testing to make sure that they're not on the fringe. So some of these ingredients are, you know, very niche and understood by a few, but they're not not good um, you know, not, not mass adopted by, you know, the, the masses to really be something that we would uh, go, go to market with. And so we do a lot of consumer testing to make sure that they're well understood. Um, and, and, yeah, we have to be careful that we don't lean into things that are, are, are really niche that, that don't appeal to the broad masses. Okay. Another some some of our brands that we we lean in like Kavit is a brand that we we go in with, uh, you know, and try to push the envelope with with you know newer emerging ingredients because it has kind of a, a tighter, more health focused following. Uh, but it, I think it's on a brand by brand basis. We we make sure so within Pepsi we have pretty rigorous standards and we have to make sure that anything we use is is grass certified. Um, so that's that's kind of point one and, and, and make sure that, you know, there's science behind any claim we make. And, and we go, we have very, very, very rigorous standards on, on what we would allow and what claims we would make. So that, that would be, that's, that, that's the main point is that, that there has to be a scientific backing on the claim before we, we, you know, we're able to make any consumer facing claims. While consumer interest in immunity benefits is giving juice a boost it's also fragmenting the category and increasing competition from adjacent segments, according to Orlovsky. I remember seeing data that said it was like the week of March 21st, 2020, there was a 69% increase from the previous March 20, from the previous year, uh, the same week. So that also like reinforces that, especially in a time of distress and uncertainty and um, a very like unpredictable future, um, everyone seemed to be, you know, across demographics and generations, I'm sure, leaned on orange juice um, specifically. But, um, you know, what we do see is some sort of fragmentation or segmentation and juices like the um, immunity shots, you know, those like a lower barrier of entry as a way to get some immunity in a different way. So, you know, turmeric and ginger are really common ingredients there. Also, elderberry was something that really picked up, especially in the juice space, even though some of them are are technically supplements. There's like uh, just dependent on the source of the ingredient. Um, That's something that, you know, consumers aren't necessarily uh, super discerning about. 
The second major opportunity for Juice that Shaw sees emerging out of the pandemic is around intentional indulgence, relaxation, and self-care, which also opens the door for juice consumption during different day parts and use occasions. So consumers are really looking ways to permissibly indulge and relax. In fact, 37% of our juice consumers are letting themselves indulge more in foods and beverages um, that they, they crave and enjoy. We already expanded, expanded it to um, juice drinks, and juice drinks is more you know, sourcing from CSDs and playing kind of in that more indulgence. It's, it's got lower, um, it's, it's, it's got uh, lower fruit juice and it's more of that uh, relax occasion and kind of unwind. So that's kind of one area. Um, we're also looking at how do you deliver on TROP in more of an indulgent space? Um, so kind of a fruit and cream type type benefit uh, would be, and it'd be kind of a, a hybrid between um, a fruit beverage and, and kind of more of a dairy. So that, that's kind of an area that we're looking at that I think could be uh, an interesting way to bring trop, the Tropicana brand into more of an indulgent kind of uh, decadent space. PepsiCo is already moving on this opportunity with an indulgence with the launch earlier this year of two naked indulgent protein skews in both chocolate and vanilla. Both smoothies pack 30 grams of plant-based protein from soy and pea, but they also include 47 grams of sugar per 15.2 ounce serving, placing them squarely in the treat category. For a lighter option that still ticks the indulgent box, PepsiCo also added four flavors to its Tropicana premium drinks line between last September and January, including Summerberry Bliss, Pina Colada, Caribbean Sunset, and Strawberry Kiwi Sunrise. These options weigh in with about a quarter of the calories and less than half of the sugar as the naked indulgent protein smoothies. While these products are positioned as indulgent and therefore have more wiggle room for sugar, a major barrier for juice leading up to the pandemic was its sugar content which is why Shaw says PepsiCo offers a diverse portfolio of options with different sugar levels. When we think about sugar, we, we know we have a, a diversified portfolio. So we have various products that meet different needs and occasions um, and meet those preferences. Consumers already delineate between naturally added sugar and, and natural sugar and, and added sugar. And so, um, you know, we're, we're, it's important to kind of stress that. Um, Third, we, we, we made it a point through innovation to really focus over the years on um, specific products that lower the sugar intake. So TROP50 is a good example of that. We just launched Fruitly, which is a hydrating juice water, which contains no added sugar and sweeteners targeted at tweens. Um, so that will be a continued area of focus for us. Um, and, and lastly, we'll, we'll continue to look at zero sugar offerings in the future. Uh, as well as explore technologies that lower sugar reduction without sacrificing the taste and benefits consumers enjoy. Orlovsky notes that part of Juice's sugar problem is that many juices are stripped of their fiber, an ingredient that consumers increasingly want and which can enhance mouthfeel and sweetness without adding sweeteners. As a as a society, is really we're really like. Um, deficient of fiber and and juice is one area where we're starting I think just starting it's actually it's 
fiber is starting to proliferate in other categories more. But um, so, so we predict that we're going to start to see it in juice products to sort of help regain the balance and um, the composition of the fruit that's within it. So, um, and, and sometimes actually certain fibers also elicit some type of sweetness. So they may help in multiple ways with creating a really, you know, organoleptically pleasing and, uh, and the right sensory experience, pleasing um, experience overall. The third opportunity that PepsiCo sees for juice coming out of the pandemic is a shift in how consumers approach meals and snacks, with many seeing these as moments to linger over and enjoy with others. Real time is evolving. So with more people being home, spending more time with their family, that, that bonding moment is becoming more and more important and I think will remain a priority even when we get back to the new normal. So in fact, 45% of juice consumers saying spending quality time with their family is a higher priority now than it was uh, pre-pandemic. Um, and then if you double click on that, another specific area for juice is this idea of more breakfast occasions at home. Um, so, in, and I'll give you a personal example. Um, we as a family have made it a point to kickstart every day together. I have three kids um, and, and we've kind of seen it as a, as a quick bonding moment um, before we, we get off on, on Zoom calls and, and, and you know, get, get with our day. And I think even when things return back to normal, I think that will be a priority is, is using that, that moment in the mornings to kind of reset and just be, be together. And, and I think that will something that, that families will not want to lose even when we get back into to a new normal. With juice traditionally viewed as a breakfast staple, more breakfasts at home likely will translate to more juice consumption. Likewise, a heavier priority placed on family time means consumers will need solutions that appeal to all ages and can meet different usage occasions and needs. We're focusing on this idea around whole family solutions. So we know I talked about how family time is a higher priority, um, people focusing on the, the things that really matter. So that for us, that means investing in products and solutions that address the needs of both kids and adults. So across flavors, formats, benefits. And I think, you know, products like Izzy uh, and Fruitly are really good examples of how we're trying to do that, uh, which Izzy is a product that, first of all, I'm a, I'm a Gen X dad. I, I love Izzy. I have three kids ranging from 13 to 6. They love Izzy, and it, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's kind of fun for the whole family. Um, and it, it's definitely that afternoon pickup that provides kind of a, a, an everyday break from stress. Um, we also see, you know, opportunities to take our trot band brand like OJ and move it in, in new occasions in day parts. So get it out of breakfast and, and make it more of an, you know, afternoon delight, uh, take it into other day parts and expand the occasions for that brand. In studying this family dynamic, Shaw said that PepsiCo saw a big white space for older tweens for products that were more sophisticated than what they drank as children but still met caregivers' nutritional requirements of vitamins and minerals, but no added sugar or artificial ingredients. The company's solution was the launch earlier this year of Fruitly, a shelf-stable beverage that blends water, fruit juice concentrate, electrolytes, and natural flavors. So we saw a, a big white space uh, with older tweens, um, and, and how do we you know, deliver on what, parents are looking for, which is this idea around 
you know, no added sugar, no artificial ingredients uh, with vitamins A and C, but also something deliver on something that, that tweens would want. So, you know, beyond the juice box, a little more mature and kind of reflects who they are and their individuality. Uh, so that was the idea behind Fruitly. And um, as a personal example, I have a 13-year-old daughter. So there's no way she would drink what the, her six-year-old uh younger sister would drink. And, and so she's matured beyond the, the juice box. And so I, I think it's, it's a neat proposition that's kind of a, a win-win, a win for parents and a win for kids. Um, and, and, you know, gets at this idea of how do you get to more uh, clean label, better for you solutions within the juice space. We're taking the approach of really right now marketing to the, 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 the shopper, which is going to be the parents. So it's, it's going to be leaning in with a lot of the functional benefits around no added sugar, which is the primary benefit that, that uh, the shopper really cares about. Also complementing that with uh, the no artificials um, and then the vitamin C and E messaging. So functional led uh, in getting awareness for the product. But then once we see the brand, we're going to do more uh, a purpose led marketing around, you know, the, the idea of let the good begin is, is kind of the brand purpose tagline uh, for Fruitly and, and doing more things around, you know, how do we take a point of view on, on, on issues tweens care about, like bullying and things like that. So more to come because we're still in development on, on plans like that. But that, that's, that's the intent is functional-led communication to the shopper, but then more emotional-led communication to the, the, the end, end consumer, which is a tween. Orlovsky also sees opportunity for innovation in juice around the sober curious movement and offering adults more sophisticated non-alcoholic options. So there's definitely opportunity for just straight up more sophisticated flavors in in juices that either can be positioned or you know included as a recipe for mocktails or cocktails. Um, but I will note with those premium drinks, I believe the second ingredient is sugar and they have 25 grams of added sugar. That is not, I mean, for my assess, our assessment of the sober curious movement, you know, it's, it's really a, a play on like health and self care and sugar doesn't fit into that narrative super well. So, um, we do see innovation juice based cocktail mixers that are either, you know, single serve, ready to drink on their own, or some, you know, meant to mix into, um, you know, and, and use it as part of a recipe again. I think also, I know this is a lot, but also sparkling, you know, that just has blown up. Obviously, sparkling water has bursted, but we predict that we're going to see more sparkling juice as a way to kind of position it as more sophisticated, sexy, Probably not, again, 100% juice sparkling products, but sometimes also those. Like I could see, uh, I think Welch's has a sangria um, that's probably mostly juice, if not entirely, and Santa Cruz Organics does um, as well. So definitely some of that, but also some of these, like, juice plus other category in a carbonated environment is something that um, I, I don't believe we've seen uh, I, I believe there's a ton of opportunity for innovation there. Finally, Orlovsky sees potential for blending juice with apple cider vinegar 
to bridge both the desire for sophisticated adult beverages and wellness-enhancing options. So given the versatility of juice and its broad spectrum of benefits as outlined by Sean Orlevsky, it's easy to see why both are bullish on juice as a category, primed for long-term growth coming out of the pandemic. With that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week. <music>